0: Hi, travelers. You can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Go ahead and check out the description of this episode so you can find the link to our link tree, get access to all of our socials, as well as our YouTube channel, so you can watch all of our episodes in full. Okay, today is Thursday, November 23rd. Monday Night Football First, guys. Um, Let's talk about the Eagles, Chiefs. Uh, Good game overall. Eagles do go in to Kansas City, come away with a win against their Super Bowl foes from last season. I don't really have much else to take away from this game, though, guys, except the fact that Kansas City cannot catch a ball.
1: Yeah, this wide receivers just cannot catch. I mean, Travis Kelsey is the only uh, pretty much wide receiver, not wide receiver, tight end that can catch the ball. And he fumbled in the red zone for the yep. Chiefs last night. And uh, so the what a win for the Eagles, obviously. They were down by 10 at the half, and they shut them out in the second half. And for the Eagles, that is a statement win. That is a statement win that really puts them at the top of the NFL. They have a heart of a champion. The way they're coming back and winning all these games, mm-hmm. and not just not just coming back, but... Winning close games, winning games down to the wire. I mean, this was just this was just a, a, a big performance by the Eagles to really cement themselves in the NFC. It wasn't was it the best game for Jalen Hurts, no. But mm-hmm. he had a big throw to Devontae Smith. He had two rushing touchdowns in the red zone. He only turned the ball over once. Uh, which I thought whoever turns the ball over first was going to lose the game. And I thought that was the case for the Eagles. But the Chiefs uh, lost the turnover battle. Mahomes threw an interception. I believe there was yep. two other fumbles, or one other fumble, obviously, they had. Travis Kelsey fumbled in the red zone. And yep. what a game by the Eagles. What a game in general. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles – have cemented themselves as the best team in the NFL. This team has what it takes to go back to the Super Bowl and potentially win it.
2: Yeah, if you would have said before the game that Jalen Hurts would throw for 150 yards and no touchdowns and that A.J. Brown would have one catch, you would have thought, okay, well, the Chiefs won this game by two touchdowns. And maybe they should have because they got a couple of red zone possessions that they didn't score on. And the whole game, really, up until the fourth quarter, it felt like the Chiefs were dominating this game, and yet the Eagles were hanging around, hanging around. And that's what makes this Eagles team so good. You know, Swift broke Kelsey's heart in a way. DeAndre had 12- 76 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the Eagles were the more physical team. And ultimately, though, you can't write the story of this game without saying that Marquez Valdez-Scantling was shaving points because he dropped that touchdown pass. Patrick Mahomes did everything he could possibly do. The fourth and 25 he even threw a perfect pass, and Justin Watson, he didn't catch it. That is a big problem for a team that, you know, when they ran the ball really well in this game, which I think was the most surprising aspect of this game, the Eagles are usually very good against the run. The Chiefs are not a team known for running the ball, and yet they ran the ball down Philadelphia's throat throughout this game, and the fact that the eagles are able to win this yeah. game i thought really shows that they're the best team in football they're 9 and 1 and even with the difficult schedule coming up i mean they've got to play buffalo they got to play the cowboys this is still a team that is the favorite i think to win the super bowl and this isn't about revenge this is just a big time win in arrowhead and the fact of the matter is kansas city now you got something to think about they're not the number 1 seed now what a great win this was for the eagles yeah
0: the last time a nfc opponent that lost in the nfc team that lost in the Super Bowl went back to the Super Bowl was 19 I think 74 <laughs> when the Vikings did it so that's obviously not good for Philadelphia's favor uh you know 50 years of time and history kind of going against them there but still very good win uh, would love to see these teams back in the Super Bowl again. Uh, You know, it's tied up 1-1 now in, you know, recent history. So we'll see what kind of happens. But great win, uh, especially considering the bad weather that they had in Arrowhead uh, on Monday night, last night. So let's continue on, though, guys. I do want to recap college football week 12. We'll get into week 13 going on, you know, this weekend as well, heading into Thanksgiving weekend. But let's break down past weekend first before we get on to previewing this upcoming weekend i do want to start with washington uh michael pennix probably has his worst game as a husky so far uh still impressive though no interceptions compared to um the two interceptions from uh, o- 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 uh you get to help me with that pronunciation o- 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 thank you <laughs> uh very very ugly weather game we just talked about uh you know kansas city obviously in the eagles but 162 yards, season low for Michael Penix. Rush for a TD, though, in Oregon State's first home loss of the season. What else do you guys have to take away from this game, especially as it relates to heading into this matchup against Washington State coming up this weekend?
2: Now hey, you got to give credit to Washington. They figure out different ways to mm-hmm. win games every week. And I know people have talked about how many close games they've played. But they've won games with their high-flying offense. They're winning games now with their defense. It's a well-rounded team. And you talk about the teams they've beaten on their schedule. They've beaten Oregon. They've beaten now on the road Oregon State. They beat a pretty good Arizona team. Nobody really thought much about that game when it happened. But Arizona's turned out to be really good. <laughs> Washington needs to be in the top four in the playoff rankings this week. They've got a better resume than Florida State. They've got the number one strength of record now in all of college football. And Michael Penix, on a day where he was 13 for 28, but he did throw two touchdowns to Roma Dunzie, one of the best weapons in the country, Washington has figured out different ways to win games. That's a sign of a really good team. And now they're going to the Pac-12 championship game, and they're one game away from going to the playoffs. So you got to give this team a lot of credit. And that's not an easy place to play up at Reeser mm-hmm. Stadium at Oregon State. That's a very good team. Washington deserves all the credit in the world for winning this game it wasn't always pretty but they figured out a way to win that's all that matters yeah
0: Oregon State just could not get anything going in the air it seemed like uh, Washington did a really good job in their secondary just kind of shutting down the uh the pass uh from Oregon State. But yeah, you mentioned it, Zach, Washington, Washington just finding different ways to win every single week. I mean they can do it in shootouts against, you know, Oregon, USC. They can outlast opponents, you know, against, you know, the Arizona State game they've had early in the year and then this past weekend against A- Oregon State. Yeah. So they can definitely find different ways to win. Romadusier, like you said, seven receptions, 106 yards, game high, uh, game high in yardage for Roma Duzier for both sides of the ball. Um yeah I mean, it's an ultimate what-if for Oregon State. I'm going to kind of give a nod to The Athletic. They did an article about this. I mean, Oregon State, that terrible defensive game against Washington State that they lost, uh, you know, where the Washington State was able to throw for 400-plus yards in the air. That was a really, really bad loss for Oregon State. And they had a bad loss against Arizona, too. Both of those losses were within three points, and if Oregon State, you know, would have at least taken away one of those games. This might be a very, very different story going into this weekend uh, when they had, um you know, when they when they play when they play Oregon, uh, you know, especially given given the Pac-12 title game on the line and maybe even the playoffs. So ultimate ultimate what if season for Oregon State. USC, we kind of touched on it already at length this whole season. Total collapse for USC. Let's just touch on them real fast. I mean, started off the season 6 and 0, now 7 and 5. Uh, you know, Williams will go to the draft now. He won't even play next weekend. Caleb Williams is done as a USC Trojan. 2 years, nothing to show for it. USC big time trouble next year. Offense pretty much relied on him. He's going to be gone. Defense is terrible. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, USC in general, Lincoln Riley going into the next season. How how's the outlook for this
1: team uh, next year? They gotta they gotta start recruiting defense. They gotta start yeah. taking the defensive side of the ball seriously, especially since Caleb Williams will declare for the draft. Uh, they they really gotta start taking this whole thing seriously, and it's it starts with Lincoln Riley and his ability to recruit. Yeah.
0: No Bruins, uh, you know, this past weekend, Bruins allow um, only scored forty five points combined in the last three games, uh, only seven points to the week prior to Arizona State, and of course they scored what it was like what, like thirty eight, I think it was this past game alone. So, yeah, bad bad game for Lincoln Riley, bad game for his defense, all on the heels of firing their uh, you know defensive coordinator as well. I do want to ask, though, guys, did Chip Kelly save his job, do you think,
1: with this UCLA win? I say he's got to win one more game. Should've. Yeah, I think he should. And he's got to beat California on Saturday. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think he should have saved his job. I think UCLA, the problem is they got to realize what they are. UCLA is a good program that is not a great program. I don't think, I think their expectations are a little bit out of whack. But you're 7 and 4, you beat USC, you've beaten a couple of ranked opponents this year. This is not a bad team. I mean, the Pac 12 is really deep this year. It's still a decent chance, even with a rookie or a freshman quarterback and Dante Moore to win eight games. I think people would have signed up for that before the season started. So I think Chip Kelly is doing a pretty good job at UCLA. Yeah,
0: had the offense and defenses humming uh, this past weekend against USC. Ethan Garbles Garbles threw for three touchdown passes, two to Hudson Habermu ha- Habermel himself, excuse me. Fumble recovery for a TD in the second half, which was a major, major momentum changer. And they forced three turnovers all together against USC. So great win for UCLA. Chip Kelly might've saved this job. UCLA, big, big time trouble heading into next year. A lot of things they have to figure out going down the line. Michigan, uh, I, let's touch on Michigan real fast. Struggled against Maryland this past weekend. Um, Mich- Maryland hung around uh, despite a three-to-one uh, turnover ratio. This was the most vulnerable. Most vulnerable, I would say. Michigan looked all year. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on this game? Still a win, obviously. A win is a win, even though if it is ugly. But overall, just heading into this final weekend, and more importantly, their matchup against Ohio State. What are your thoughts on uh, this Michigan uh, kind of struggling against the Maryland team? Well, you hate to,
1: well, you hate to to see it, and kind of hate to say it, but I think they're they're playing too determined. That Coach Harbaugh got suspended, and. The whole, I mean, the whole Harbaugh stuff, and I think they're they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. That's why they're mm-hmm. that's why they're winning these games. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think if you're Michigan, it's probably just a case of looking ahead next week to Ohio State. But Maryland's got a pretty good offense with Talia Tuggle I mean, that's that's an offense that's that's nothing to be taken lightly. I would say this though. I think Michigan is the last couple weeks against Penn State against Maryland. Really, the probably the two best teams they played this year. They've showed some vulnerabilities. J.J. McCarthy's been a little bit inconsistent. Uh, the receiving core; those guys aren't regularly getting open. Their defense, which has been so dominant all year, really struggled for the first time this year against Maryland. So you wonder how Michigan, their mindset, you know, with Harbaugh being suspended, there's a lot of distractions going on with that program. And the last couple weeks, they haven't looked all that great doing and, and winning those games. So I just wonder what their psyche is going into the Ohio State game. But at the same time, we saw last year they barely beat Illinois the week before Ohio State and it turned out just fine for them. So, yeah. Eh, who knows?
0: Yeah, we'll get to that game obviously a little bit later when we preview next week. But I'm <laughs> looking at ESPN now. This yeah. <laughs> uh, tickets like five dollars, thirteen dollars, ten dollars, nineteen dollars, and then you get the Ohio, Ohio State Michigan for four fifty, as low as four fifty. <laughs> so a little bit of a you know a spectrum there as far as ticket prices when you get you know this weekend. But yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's, uh, Buffalo's again, another team we've kind of talked about Colorado at length this season, seven, eight, since that three, 0 start really, really bad. I mean, Buffalo's allowed the Buffalo's have allowed FBS worst 54 sacks of the season. Offensive line is in shambles. Jadir Sanders this time or this past week got hit with an explosive hit sacked four times before ultimately having to leave the game with that injury. Uh, I mean, this, this was the worst loss under coach prime so far, and I don't know, like this, you talk about USC next year. I don't know what, you know, Colorado has to do next year as well to kind of get them to where they want to be. But, yeah, I mean, Washington State uh, or yeah, Washington State kept its chances of a bowl game alive. However, we'll have to get past Washington next week, of course, which is obviously a really tough ask. What do you guys have just as far? Any other, you know, last-minute thoughts and just Buffalo's, uh, you know, the Colorado Buffalo's, the Coach Primes, Trudier Sanders, What are your overall thoughts heading into the next year for this team?
1: Well, they're back in last place now, obviously, to end Mm -hmm. the season. They're probably going to finish 4-8 and because they will be going to Utah on Saturday. And uh, so, I mean, Deion Sanders has gotten some life back into this program. He he will get the recruits still if he decides to stay there and just doesn't go to Texas A&M or doesn't go to another – you know, big time school, or big time program that will offer mm. him the money, but um, he's he's got some life back into this team. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think if you would have said before the year Colorado would go four and eight, that would sound about right. But the roster that they had, I mean, I think we kind of went too crazy about their three and zero start, and I think that kind of inflated expectations a little bit. But this is closer to what Colorado actually is. They've got skilled guys, they have some talent. You know, Shadur Sanders, I think is uh, is very good. The problem for Colorado is you can get skilled guys pretty quick. You can't get linemen pretty quick. So that offensive line needs a lot of work this offseason. I do believe Dion will get things turned around, but I think this is kind of what should have been the expectation coming into the season.
0: Yeah, 4-8, not 7-8. I don't know where 7-8 came from. But do you think it's bad, um, just how bad they ended the season, though? That's my biggest takeaway. I mean, it's one thing to get losses here and there throughout the season, kind of you know sprinkle them in throughout you know the whole course of their time, you know, over the course of their games, but they have such a bad stretch that they've had. I mean, like I said, they started it off the season three and zero, and now they're four and eight. So, I mean, it's it's pretty bad. Bad ending. Uh, bad momentum going into next year as well. All things considered, but we'll see what Deion Sanders can do uh, next year in the off season. But moving on, Big Twelve, Texas, ugly win, kind of like Michigan, ugly win against um, Iowa State. They get it done though. A lot of miscues for Texas. Two touchdowns called back for penalties. Fumbled in the Iowa State, or you know, f- fumbled in the red zone in the Iowa State, Iowa State's, uh, you know, sideline there, uh, part of the you know, uh, side of the field. Texas is definitely not an aesthetically pleasing team, but they will get the job done. Defense was elite yeah. for Texas. They were able to get it done for you know, for the team. Held out, you know, held up Iowa State to nine rushing yards. Blocked the field goal that returned to four uh, two that gave Texas some much needed breathing room uh, later in that game. But Texas, I, I mean, we. Talked about it last week as well. Are you concerned about Texas and kind of these miscues and just ugly, ugly games that they've had uh, this season, some of the ugly games that they've had so far?
2: No. I think Texas – look, the way we got to look at this is Texas lost these games in years past. They lost to Texas Tech. They lost to Iowa State. They lost lost games that they should not have against lesser talented teams. And they're getting it done this Mm -hmm. time. It's not always pretty, but it's always tough to go into Ames, Iowa, a place that they've lost three of the last four times they've played. And they won and really were never all that threatened. Yeah, they had two touchdowns called back due to penalty. But, you know, how many times do you see a team have that happen to them and they lose their composure? It didn't happen this time. Quinn Ewers played well. And without Jonathan Brooks, they were able to get a push on the offensive line. They were able to run the ball. I don't know if Texas is a national championship team, but I think they've got a real chance at the playoff because all they got to do is finish out the regular season against Texas Tech and then go to the Big 12 championship game where they're going to be favored to win against no matter who they play. And they're going to have an opportunity, and they've got that head to head over Texas or over Alabama earlier Mm -hmm. in the season. They beat them by 10 down in Tuscaloosa. So I think Texas is going to absolutely make the playoff. And I think the way we got to look at this is these are games that Texas would have lost in years past. They're winning them now.
0: I do want to bring on uh, JMU, just talk about JMU real fast. Obviously, they were making a petition to uh, get a. Potential uh, New Year Six game, New Year's Six bowl game. They did lose, so that's not going to happen anymore. They might not even get a bowl game period. I know the NCAA data, you know, did reject their appeal. They did lose though uh, against, uh, you know, this past weekend. Kirk, Kirk Cignetti, though, my biggest takeaway from this whole season with JMU and last year as well. He's done such a fantastic job coaching this team over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, what they've been able to do has been pretty much amazing in that Sunbelt Conference. Definitely won't be considered a New Year's Six Bowl now. Like I said, they're not even going to make a bowl game because, again, of that NCAA rolling when they switch conferences. But overall, uh, great season by them, tough loss, and we'll see what happens next year and how they can bounce back and, you know, carry the momentum they've had these last couple of years in the next season. My last story, guys, Hugh Freeze um, does not like playing against New Mexico State. Uh, New Mexico State beat him bad last year when he was highly favored at uh, Liberty. He was the coach of Liberty last year. New Mexico came in, beat him pretty bad then. And then this past weekend, they beat him bad as the coach of Auburn as well. This is the worst SEC uh, upset since 2016 when South Alabama beat Mississippi State. Uh, New Mexico State now goes 1-24 for against SEC, SEC... SEC teams in their lifetime. What do you guys think about this? I mean, is New Mexico one of the teams we might have to watch out for, you know, heading down the line, heading, you know, in the next couple of years here, they've been building something pretty nice. Uh, You know, they've been building something pretty nice under Jerry Kill. What do you guys think about New Mexico in the next couple of years?
2: yeah jerry kill's a very good coach i mean he's won just about mm-hmm. everywhere he's been remember going back to his days at minnesota he's just had some seizure issues which has kept him off the sideline but what he's done in new mexico state i think has been remarkable but if you're auburn you cannot lose as a 26 point favor by three touchdowns mm-hmm. it's one thing to lose it's another to get dominated by new mexico state and hugh freeze had this happen to him last year at liberty and now he's had it happen to him again at auburn and now you know, the classic look-ahead game to Alabama next week. I still think they're going to give Alabama a game because that, they always seem to whenever that game's played at Jordan-Hare. Yep. But that's an embarrassing loss for the for the Tigers. And you know, Jerry Kill New Mexico State, give them full yep. credit. Chance to win 10 games if they win a bowl Going you know, like into
1: said, Jordan-Hare Stadium in Auburn and, and basically dominating them, that's a big win for yep. uh, for New Mexico State.
0: Yeah, like I said, worst SEC upset since 2016. <laughs> um, and yeah, New Mexico, New Mexico, seven games for uh you know seven games uh, win season for the second consecutive season. The program has only had two win uh two seven win seasons the fifty five years prior to Jerry Kill's arrival. He is now fifteen and four over his past nineteen games. So yeah, New Mexico and Jerry Kill might be a team to look out for going down, you know, in the the next couple years here at building a great program with that team, or. Great team with that program. My last thing, guys, um, uh, Jaden Daniels, we have to talk about it real fast. My last, last thing uh, from this past weekend, definitely leading the Heisman candidacy. I think so. I mean, I know we talked about some other names like Bo Nix potential, but I do think it has to be Jaden Daniels. I mean, he leads the nation in total yards per game at 417, touchdown passes uh, in the league at 36 yards per attempt at just under 12 and a passer rating of 208. He's Definitely the Heisman uh, candidate to watch. It's his trophy to lose at this point, point. and I just kind of want—I want to get your guys' thoughts on what you think as far as maybe anyone else that might be a dark horse that could overtake it. I mean, Bo Nix obviously is in their conversation as well, but what would he have to basically do to lose this trophy? And you know, if he continues to play like he has the last couple, you know, these next two games, or you know, the next next this week coming up um, and beyond. I mean, is it his to lose at this point? Is my yeah. Yeah.
2: It should be. He's got forty six total touchdowns. He's yeah. got almost a thousand yards more than the next closest guy, Caleb Williams, who's played one more game. Jaden Daniels, the last two games, has had six hundred yards against Florida mm-hmm. in six touchdowns. And against Georgia State, he had eight touchdowns. He basically is beating almost every major team in America in total touchdowns and yards. You know, he's rushed for over a thousand yards as a starting quarterback. What he's done is remarkable. If this team had a halfway competent defense, LSU would be a national title contender. And if they didn't have Jaden Daniels, this might be a four or five win team. That's how good he's been. So I'm going to disregard the fact that his team's lost three games because he's played well in all three of those games, maybe second half against yep. Florida State aside. But you certainly can't blame him for the other two games they lost. Against Ole Miss, he put up over 500 yards. And against uh, Alabama, he put up over 400 yards before yeah. he got knocked out of the game. Jaden Daniels is the best player in America. It's not close.
0: Definitely. Moving on, guys, let's do college football. Um, Next week of college football, week 13 rivalry week coming up. We're going to start with the closest game of the week like we always do. And Zach, we'll start with you. What is your closest game of this weekend?
2: Yeah, I've got a feeling that the closest game and the most intriguing storyline are going to be pretty much intertwined yep. because it's the Ohio State-Michigan uh-huh. game. It's the biggest game of the college football season. You've got Ryan Day versus Sharon Moore without Jim Harbaugh. You've got two of the, best, the two best defenses in college football. Michigan, number one in points per game. Ohio State, number one in yards per play. This is probably going to be a lower scoring game than people think it was going to be. Uh, Earlier in the season, this is going to be a defensive battle. Two great running games with Trayvon Henderson and Blake Corm. And it really comes down to the quarterbacks. Kyle McCord and J.J. McCarthy, very similar numbers. But Michigan's had a lot of distractions. They do have that game at home. Ohio State has had two years of motivation to get ready for that game. It is going to be about as big as this robbery has ever been. It's going to be the closest game of the week. I don't really yeah. think there's any way that this turns out to be a blowout on either side. Yeah, I
0: was going to say that, but I knew one of you know we would all we we were talking about it at length. So I did want to put in another game as well. I think it might be close. I think Kentucky Louisville has potential to be really close in-state rival in-state rivals obviously like every game this week almost kentucky has a dominant run game we kind of forget about that third rushing grade third rushing grade in the fbs only behind oregon and lsu ray davis we mentioned him before for kentucky is absolute is an absolute beast 627 yards after contact this year that's top 15 among power five running backs in that category louisville's defense though as you know zach up uh, top twenty in the country as for, you know total ranking on defense and their run defense in general is also only allowing four point two rushing yards per attempt. So yeah, it's going to be good rushing defense against a really good rushing attack. And I think this is uh, has a potential to be a really really good game uh, in Kentucky this weekend. Justin, how about you? What is your closest game of the week? Is it Ohio State Michigan?
1: <laughs> actually, closest game of the week, I, I yeah. would go. I would actually go with Oregon State and Oregon. Uh, that Oregon state has lost its uh, only three matchups this year by under three points. And they're going into Oregon with uh, who is 10 and one with the number two ranked offense in college football. So I think this is going to be, I I still think this could be a very close game because Oregon state has been playing very well this year. And for Oregon being at home, Bo 35 touchdowns two interceptions on the season that's obviously a very big stat for him but I think this is going to be a very close game very uh I mean Oregon State wants to prove themselves in Oregon I mean obviously Mm -hmm. being an in-state rival this week
0: yeah I'll get to them in a second too with my shootout of the week but Moving on to most intriguing storylines, Zach. What is your most intriguing storyline? I think you already mentioned it with <laughs> Ohio State-Michigan. Yeah it's, yeah, it's it has to be that yeah. game.
2: There's no doubt about yeah. it. This is the game that's going to decide basically everything. It's going to decide the Big Ten Championship. It's going to decide who goes to the playoff, maybe the number one yeah. seed in the college football playoff. And it's going to put a lot of pressure on somebody. If Ryan Day loses three in a row, the Ohio State fan base is going to be gunning for his head, even though he's won. Yeah. A bunch of games he's won 53 he's like 53 and six or something like that but the, all that goes out the window if you lose this game and if you're michigan of course all the pressure comes with how many seniors they've got on their roster we don't know if jim harbaugh is going to be the coach next year it might be a very might very well be a last dance kind of scenario for them so a lot of pressure is going to be on whoever loses this game and for the winner a real chance to go on and win the national title and they probably would be the co-favorites along with georgia so yeah Yeah. i I don't really think it gets much bigger i mean
0: this is the big (laughs) 10 championship let's be honest yeah (laughs) it really is uh my most intriguing storyline kind of interesting um i want to know who's going to represent the group of five in the new year six bowl this year Tulane, utsa matchup this friday has a lot to say about this um Tulane needs to win in order to represent the American Athletic Conference in the New Year's Six Bowl. But if they if UTSA beats Tulane, it could potentially fall to Liberty in Conference USA or Toledo in the Mid-American Conference. So big, uh, you know, Tulane, UTSA, sneaky, uh, big applications, uh, you know, for the power you know, for the group, group of five, excuse me conferences and, you know, whether or not who's going to represent them in the New York six bowl coming bowls coming up, you know, at the end of the year here. So that's my most intriguing storyline. Justin, what is your most intriguing storyline of this weekend?
1: Well, we're going to go back to Ohio state and Michigan. This is going to be a, this is going to be the, basically the clash of the Titans of this rivalry. I mean, the Michigan being with all the distractions at home in Ann Arbor and Ohio state, Obviously they want to come in and win this game too. being the number two ranked team against the number three ranked team in Michigan. This is, uh, this is going to be, this is going to be probably the biggest game in Ohio state and Michigan's. I wouldn't, I don't know about the history of the rivalry if it's (laughs) the biggest game, but especially in recent, recent memory, it is, it is the biggest game with the hardball suspension off the field stuff. and, Ohio State, obviously, being the, the number two ranked team, you know, yeah. who who knows? Who, who knows who comes out and wins this game still? I mean, I think that Ohio State should be able to win this game, but I think it's, it's going to be very, very close. It's probably my shootout of the week, actually.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be a lot of different – everything pretty much but snoozer. <laughs> yeah. um, going on the – surprise of the week though zach what is your before we get this uh, shoot out of the week what is your surprise your surprise of the week
2: uh, my surprise of the week i think nc state's going to beat north carolina i think when you look at the tar heels they've been very uneven these last couple weeks losing on the road at clemson last week their defense has really struggled you're going up against an nc state team that's got some momentum now eight and three and that's an offense that's started to click you know mid-season they were really struggling but since they changed quarterbacks you know they've averaged over thirty a game. I think NC State gets it done at home, and Carter Finley gets their third straight win over North Carolina.
0: I'm going to go with Florida potentially overtaking Florida State. Uh, we forget about this. Both teams on backup QBs right now. Graham Mertz uh, for Florida did go out uh, against Missouri. Redshirt, redshirt freshman uh, will take his place. I, um, you know, obviously we know that Jordan uh, Travis went out last week against FSU, uh, for FSU as well. Uh, So, yeah, it's going to be a battle of the backup quarterbacks. It will be in the swamp. Florida would love to play spoiler to FSU in the playoffs. Um, Yeah, I could definitely see Florida coming away with this one. If Seminoles fall, though, they would need other multiple upsets from across the Power Fives to have a chance to make the playoffs. That's no surprise there. The committee has not rewarded one loss ACC teams very well in the past. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Florida... FSU this is a must win game for them I would even say it's a must you know they have to blow out Florida to have a chance to make the playoffs because uh you know with Jordan Travis being out I don't think the committee is going to like that very much and uh to have any chance of even making the playoffs uh FSU will have to come out and play absolutely dominant against Florida against their in-state rivals and Roadmaker will have to have the best game of his career in order to get them to that playoff to that uh you know that you know, that, that um, pl- uh, land they want to go to. So the holy land they want to go to. Justin, what is your surprise of the week?
1: I'm actually going to go with Maryland over Rutgers. Maryland obviously losing a close game at Michigan and definitely losing some close games this season. But Rutgers only being favored by one. It should be a close game, but I think Maryland goes in there and wins.
0: Shootout of the week. Zach, what is your shootout of the week? <laughs>
2: Shootout of the week. Let's see here. I think we got to go with Texas A&M, LSU. Yeah. Anytime you get Jaden Daniels involved in a shootout, you got to go with it. LSU's defense is just putrid. I know Texas A&M's offense hasn't been very good, but I think they've been rejuvenated ever since Jimbo Fisher got fired. And I think you're going to see the best offensive showing out of this team. And I think Jaden Daniels is going to put up a lot of points. And we know LSU can't stop anybody. So I'm going with Texas A&M-LSU. Remember, they played a game a couple years ago, 74-72. It went seven overtimes. I don't think we're getting quite that. But I think we're getting a game in the 30s, maybe the 40s. Yeah, I
0: forgot about that. Uh, My shootout of the week, I'm going to go with Oregon, Oregon State, uh, as we just alluded to, um, you know, uh, over the course of the show here and just now. uh, Teams have been playing each other since 1945. This will be the last time they play each other, obviously, with Oregon going to the Big Ten next year. Um, Oregon does not have an opening and does not have an opening for a non-conference opponent until 2029. Very, very sad. Only LSU has more efficient offense in in terms of points per play than Oregon. Bo Nix, as we all know, is going to put up numbers. Beavers will have to keep up. The Beavers do rank six in expected points added in on the run game, and you can argue this is Oregon's defense, uh, that being their run defense. So they rank 55th in the FBS in their run defense, allowing 4.8 yards per attempt. So, yeah, definitely has a p- potential to be a shootout. This is a very sad day. Obviously, like I said, these teams won't play each other for a long, long time to come. Both have really explosive offenses, and Oregon, especially on the ground, can really take advantage of putting up a lot of numbers against – Oregon State can put up a lot of numbers on the ground, I mean, against Oregon's pretty bad um, run defense. Justin, what is your shootout of the week this weekend?
1: I'll go with Ohio State and Michigan. I think this will be an easy shootout here. Marvin Harrison Jr. for Ohio State, obviously having a big year as uh, Kyle McCord – is gonna is is really gonna look for him in this one. But let's see if Michigan doubles them up. And uh not the not the best offense for Michigan. They're ranked fifty fifth in the nation. Ohio State is ranked thirty fifth. But I think the I think both of these teams are gonna really come to play here on offense, on defense. It's just gonna be it's it's gonna be a shootout yep. this week. And I think I, I think it's gonna be the shootout this week. Yeah
0: snoozer of the week um opposite end of the spectrum zach what is your snoozer of the week
2: i'm going notre dame against stanford notre dame's a 26 point favor in this game notre dame doesn't have a ton to play for they'll win their ninth game and probably just end up in a decent bowl game stanford has had a disaster class of a season three and eight they did have that one comeback against colorado outside of that been putrid for them. This game's on the Pac-12 network. The final game ever on the Pac-12 network. Hmm. Stanford's offense is not going to be able to match up against Notre Dame. I don't see this game being competitive
0: Yeah, speaking of nothing to play for, I'm going to go with Utah, Colorado for my snoozer of the week. Colorado, uh 21 and a half point underdogs against Utah. Colorado absolutely fell apart this year. We already talked about that at length earlier. This game won't this game won't be close. We don't even know if Shadir Sanders is playing after taking that bad hit last week as well. Uh, Utah, I think, is still a very good team. And, uh, yeah, they're going to pretty much
1: dominate Colorado this weekend.
0: Justin, what is your snoozer of the week?
1: Clemson and South Carolina. I think this is just going to be a snoozer this week. Clemson, obviously, they're probably going to be playing in a bowl game if they win. But this
2: this game's a snoozer.
0: Favorite of the week? Zach, what is your favorite of the week?
2: Favorite of the week? I am going with Alabama okay. against Auburn. Yep. I know Auburn always plays them tight, and it's going to be a competitive game because it always is in Jordan-Hare, but Jalen Miller was playing way too well right now. Alabama is getting set to play Georgia in the SEC championship game. Alabama has typically dominated this series. They've won the last three or the last five. I'm taking the tide to roll against Auburn.
0: Yeah, I am going to take Washington over Washington State that in-state rivalry game coming up this weekend. Washington must, must win, obviously, to make the playoffs. Um, Washington State, pretty bad pass rush, all things considered. Um, they're they pretty low in the league as far as sacks go and as far as QB pressure. Michael Penix already seems like he has 10 seconds to throw the ball every single time he drops back. Um, you know, he's obviously making great plays with his arm. Washington's offense is explosive. Um, like I said, he's going to have all the time in the world to just kind of make the plays that he wants to make. And he's going to have a field day against Washington state and, uh, end up going into, uh, you know, into a playoff decision, um, end of the week. So, or into the, you know, Pac-12 title, I should say against Oregon. So Justin, what is your favorite of the week?
1: My favorite of the week? I got Utah over Colorado. Utah will solidify its spot in a bowl game and going, uh, going into the, Eight and four season. Yes, they will be eight and four after this game. Colorado, obviously, we've talked about it at length. Pretty disappointing after being three and zero this season. I mean, still a four and eight season for Colorado, but we'll see what happens in the offseason for them. Utah will will beat them
0: No show Saturday, guys. Let's break down NFL real quick. I mean, we're gonna do kind of a rapid style. So spend a little bit more time on the games coming up on Thursday and Friday, and then uh, very, very rapid style on the games coming up on next Sunday. A lot of them are pretty bad to be completely honest. So we don't have to spend a whole lot of time with them, but let's start with the Packers lions. My biggest takeaway first, uh, first time in a long time that I'm actually excited to watch the lions on Thanksgiving. That's my uh, biggest takeaway Packers though are Really, really bad. I think the Lions will handle them pretty, pretty easily. Uh, I don't really have much else to say about this game except Lions, obviously on a complete tear right now and first time um, eight and two in their, you know, in the franchise history since the Super Bowl era.
1: Well, the Lions haven't been great on Thanksgiving, as we know, and um, you know we've sure. seen them lose on Thanksgiving and almost lost last week to the Bears. So I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna pick the Lions to lose here but this could be a trap game for them in my opinion i think that they that they should be able to win this game but i don't know i think the packers you know they still still have a little bit to play for not that they're a good team but they have a lot of pride left and the lions on thanksgiving do lose but being 8 and 2 this year i think that's going to change for them
2: well, the NFC Wild Card still very much up for grabs, so the Packers definitely have something to play for. Kind of a role reversal: Packers four and six, Lions eight and two, going into Thanksgiving. Usually expected to be the other way around, but I expect the Lions to bounce back and win this game. They played about as poorly as they could play against the Bears for three and a half quarters. And then they managed to win that game late. I don't trust Jordan Love on the road. I think the Lions win, and I think they win it probably comfortably.
0: Commanders, Cowboys. Um, Commanders really bad. Cowboys obviously top five team in the league i would say cowboy that sums it up. yeah that's pretty much it i mean ron rivera probably going to be on till the end of the year i don't really see a point in firing him at this point i don't think he'll make it next year especially with the new ownership they're i think the seven to nine over the last you know those nine games there and cowboys i think will cowboys will score 30 plus on them because they, they that's what they've been doing all season long they've been scoring a ton of points on teams that they should be you know, handling pretty easily. So, yeah, this game won't be very, very good. 49ers, Seahawks, though, probably the best game out of Thursday and Friday, out of the Thursday slate on Thanksgiving, so and then, yeah. you know, the Black Friday dolphins Jets game as well. Uh, Seahawks' defense has absolutely fallen apart. Uh, D- 7th in DVO and this, uh, this, excuse me, started off the season 7th in DVO in on defense, and now they're 16th. Their top three run defense started the season, now they're 18th. Offense has fallen apart. Geno Smith has fallen apart. He doesn't take care of the ball like he used to take care of the ball either. That used to be his high point, and now he's not even doing that. Um, and this is all why the 49ers seem to be back to form, too. Um, 18th in expected plays, or yeah, 18th and expected plays per average. So, what do you guys think about this game? For, uh, 49ers and Seahawks on, on Thursday.
2: This feels like the game that will decide the NFC West in many ways, at least if the 49ers win, because they then they'd be up by two and they would hold the tiebreaker and the later game in San Francisco. So they basically have a chance to clinch the division with a win on the road in this one. And they played very well against Tampa Bay. Brock Purdy, 21-25, of 25, three touchdowns, probably the best game of his career. Up until this point, we'll see if he can follow that up. Remember, he did go on the road on a Thursday night last year in Seattle and threw a couple touchdowns and won that game. The big question to me is Geno Smith and Kenneth Walker's health. If they can't go then it's going to be a major problem for the Seahawks. But we know the 12th man finally gets to host a Thanksgiving game. That is going to be a big deal to to that fan base. And Seattle's defense is good enough to keep themselves around in this game. I think this is a game that could decide this division. If the 49ers win, if the Seahawks win, then it's going to be a division race up until the very end. So, yeah, this is, I think, a very good Thanksgiving. I think this could
1: be a tight game. I think this could be a tight game. The Niners, obviously, on a roll. Brock Purdy has had back-to-back 300-plus passing yards in, uh, in the last two games out of the bye week. But Seattle, not great, not great at all the last two games. Obviously, almost losing to the Commanders, losing to the Rams on a missed field goal in Los Angeles. But I think they, I still think they can hang around with the 49ers, though. It's a divisional game. It's a primetime game in Seattle. So I think this is going to be – I still think this is going to be close. This could be another trap game.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at the this – I mean, it's a must win for the Seahawks, like you said, Zach. I mean, you look at their schedule coming up. Cowboys after 49ers, and then they play 49ers again in San Francisco. Then the Eagles, <laughs> and then they actually
2: – and 30-10, the combined records. of uh,
0: Yeah, of the
2: – That's about as difficult a stretch as I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah,
0: uh, the next three games, you mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. luckily for them, though, I mean, their last three games, um, Titans, Steelers, and Cardinals. So that's, I mean, that's at least nice for them, but they need to at least get one and three, I would say, out of this stretch to have any chance, if not even two and three, but it's going to be a mass, you know, it's going to be very, very tough. Dolphins, Jets, Black Friday. I, overall, pretty, I love the idea of ha- of having a Black Friday game. I know we talked about it on Tuesday's show as well. I'm actually, you know, Zach, you alluded to it on Tuesday. We're, I'm really curious to see how this does, how this game does on, you know, if NFL wants to do this more going down the stretch, because I think it's definitely a good idea night. It's sandwiched in very nicely between college. Uh, you know, it's not going to interfere with the Oregon, Oregon state game. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's pretty good time overall to have this and giving people NFL on a Friday after Thanksgiving, I think is a great idea, but overall, I mean, it's going to be a pretty bad game. I mean, it's a good defense against a really good offense can't uh Boyle's going to be in for the jets uh wilson has been demoted to qb3 position technically uh i don't think he's gonna make a difference though dolphins will come away with this game i don't really have anything else to say about it except i'm all for black friday Happy yeah to i think it's gonna friday. be a
1: good i think it's gonna be good for the nfl to have a friday game obviously yep. i mean you know if friday night football instead of thursday night football would be better in my opinion I mean, I think that would be a good, I thought that would be a good thing. And having a game on Black Friday, I'm a proponent of, especially because, um, you know, it's kind of, like you said, Jared, sandwiched in between college, you know, Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving yesterday, obviously good, you know, pretty good scheduling by the NFL there. Instead yeah. of having a Thursday night game, they should go to a Friday night game. But again, that interferes with college games and even high school games if you want to throw that in there. But yeah,
2: yeah, they can't. They can't do that. Yeah. For there's legal legal reasons for that. But yeah, I think this is going to be a very good idea. That's why the game's in the mid afternoon on Fridays to get around that. The Jets this year have scored nine touchdowns offensively. The Dolphins scored ten against the Broncos alone earlier in the year kind of tells you the story of both these team seasons I think the Jets will probably follow the same blueprint that they've had the last couple games they'll probably slow down the Dolphins for a little bit it'll be competitive and then the Jets offense won't be able to move the ball across the street I don't care if it's Tim Boyle Zach Wilson Trevor Simeon doesn't matter Jets uh their offense is offensive to watch I think the Dolphins will Mm. pull away in the second half I think it'll be competitive for a while Dolphins win
0: yeah. It is a it is during the same time as the Tulane UTSA game, but that's pretty much it. I mean, Utah State, New Mexico, yeah. that won't who cares. Missouri, uh Arkansas, that won't be a good game and then Air Force, Boise State. So, yeah, not missing you're not missing TCU Oklahoma or Iowa Nebraska and of course, like I said, you're not missing that Oregon State Oregon game at the end of the end of the day either. So, uh very very rapid fire guys let's just go through the next uh games of on the slate for sunday i'll start with steelers Bengals. matt canada biggest news obviously he was finally fired um christmas that did come early for the steelers fans they've been clamoring for it for even last season going into last season not even two seasons for uh, now they've been clamoring for matt canada to get fired he is finally fired i want to see if the offense looks any different against the any different against the Bengals. Obviously, Joe Burrow is out for the season as well. That's my only thing I really want to say about this game. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to throw into. Just uh, Steelers Bengals. Obviously- yeah, this
1: is one of the snooze fests easily. Yeah. This is this could be <clears throat> beside this game is a snooze fest. Giants Patriots another snooze fest. Not not great games the Sunday after Thanksgiving, except for yeah. let's say Bills Eagles. Chiefs Raiders, Chiefs Raiders could be interesting. Uh, let's see, the Browns and Broncos. Broncos have been on a roll. Broncos have, have been on yeah. a roll the last five or four games. They're on a four-game winning streak. The Browns still, I mean, with a 7-3 and three record with, uh, with DTR as their quarterback. That could be an interesting game. And Panthers-Titans, another snooze fest. Ravens-Chargers not the worst Sunday night game that that I'll say the Chargers not yeah. not a great team at all I mean especially under underachieving expectations underachieving yeah. expectations with that roster but that coach has got to go obviously for the Chargers we've touched on that not terrible for yeah. for a Sunday night game uh but
2: yeah. no I think that's probably one of the three best games I think Browns Broncos is second and then buffalo philadelphia that's probably the most intriguing game to see if the bills can actually do something on the road against probably the best team in the nfl just part continuing the difficult stretch of the schedule for philly they've got buffalo san francisco and dallas over the next three so kind of either a chance to get some separation or to come back to the pack a little bit browns broncos is a much more intriguing game than i think people would have thought mm-hmm. earlier in the season i think the broncos have a real chance now to win that game with DTR, with the Browns quarterback situation being the way it is, and Sean Payton having turned things around there. And if they do, that's 6-5 and for them, and they're right in the heart of the playoff.
0: Yeah, Jaguars-Texans, too, can be a good game. Yeah, that Um, could be good. CJ Stroud.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's a very good game. Because if the Texans win, they'll have swept the Jags. So they'll have the tiebreaker in the AFC South. That could be the game that decides that division title. Yeah. See, right now, everybody talks about how great Trevor Lawrence is. CJ Stroud may be the best quarterback in the NFL this year, and I don't. Really think that's an exaggeration to say? What if, I think he might be the MVP. Yeah, yep. what if the
1: Texans win that division? What if the Texans win that division and host a home playoff game? Do you think they'll be probably not the one seed, obviously, but three or four seed? Who
2: knows? Yeah, yeah, probably the four seed. Their schedule is a lot easier down the stretch than the Jaguars' schedule is as well.
0: Yeah, no, it's um I think he could definitely have potential to be an MVP of the league of of the league, excuse me. Yeah, you mentioned their schedule too coming up. I mean, Broncos after the Jaguars, that's going to be a hard game. Like, you know, we already alluded to the Broncos are looking really good right now, but J- Jets J- uh, Jets Titans, uh Browns, and then they finish with the Titans and Colts. So, Texans, yeah, I mean, Texans absolutely will make the playoffs most likely and uh stroud might even be mvp of the of the league like you said zach we'll have to see especially especially sure. if they win the division i mean and you know make a you know i know it's not a playoff uh playoff award but yeah if he make if he finishes up the season like he's playing now for sure yeah every other game is pretty bad i mean bucks colts um bucks i mean they might continue their offensive explosiveness from this past week um i can actually see the saints falcons being high scoring kind of like a you know balls to the wall who really cares at this point falcons finally starting to utilize their you know offensive pieces a lot better Bijan robinson algier so saints obviously still an off pretty good offensive team as well so i can see that game being pretty high scoring patriots giants massive massive who cares panthers titans um also who cares rams cardinals i mean yeah i don't really have much else to say to that and we pretty much touched every other game so yeah either got weird week of the NFL. I mean, outside maybe the Thursday and Friday games, the Sunday slate is pretty much either a really good matchup with good implications or just a matchup that means absolutely nothing, which, of course, we kind of get to at this time of the year, you know, after we get past the halfway mark of the NFL season. Complaintives of the week, guys. Let's move on to our complaintives and writers block. We'll do writers block as well. Uh, no show on Saturday, so we'll we'll fit that in on this show as well. But we'll start with you, Zach, for complaintives. Um, what is your complaintives of this week?
2: Well, did you hear Tom Brady said there's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL these days, and he's not exactly wrong. I mean, you look at the situation the way that it is this year with a lot of quarterback injuries, I'm really interested to see what happens with the primetime schedule, intrigued to see what the TV ratings are going to be because so many of these big games are going to be affected now because star quarterbacks are out for the year. We've already seen it with Jets games, no Aaron Rodgers, and everybody put them in a bunch of primetime games because we all expected Aaron Rodgers. Joe Burrow being out for the year, Deshaun Watson being out for the year. A lot of quarterback issues the nfl and that's gonna i think bleed to a lot of the mediocrity that people are talking about especially tom brady so yeah i'm interested to see how the rest of the season turns out and, you know brady knows what's good he knows how how things are good he knows mediocrity when he sees it and i don't know if he's necessarily wrong this year because there have been a lot of primetime unders a lot not been a lot of great nationally televised games this year last night was kind of the exception to what we've seen in recent memory
0: yeah no i'm gonna go with um Steelers, as my complaint is of the week, uh, not firing Matt Canada sooner. Uh, I don't know why. If they're going to fire Matt Canada, they should have just done it sooner. I mean, like I said, I already said it before. Steeler fans have been clamoring for him to be fired forever. Um the Rooney's the front office for the Steelers, known to be very stubborn, known to not really make changes, especially, 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 especially midseason. So that that's why this news was so surprising to many people, not only in Pittsburgh, but just in the national you know sense as well, because Steelers don't make changes like this midseason. So my thing is, like, if they were going to fire Matt Canada, they might as well have just done it sooner, make all the fan bases happy and potentially you know, clean up this uh, Steelers offense heading down in the second half of the season to give them a better chance to make the playoffs. But now, you know their chances look a little bit slimmer. Tough schedule coming up for the Steelers. Obviously, AFC North gauntlet, probably the hardest, most competitive competitive division in the NFL right now. So, yeah, that's my complaint of the week. If they were going to fire Matt Canada, they should have done it sooner and uh, make a lot of people happy and give the Steelers maybe a better chance heading down the second half of the season. Justin, what was your complaint of the week?
1: So I'm going to go back to the Tom Brady interview on the Stephen A. Smith podcast. And another thing that wasn't mentioned, or he did mention, was a was the development of not just players but quarterbacks. I think teams need to need to, if they especially take a quarterback in the first round, should bench him for a year or two. Just bench him for a year or two. Let them get their feet wet. Let them learn the playbook. I mean, that's why. I mean, we're just throwing quarterbacks in. There's been more rookie quarterbacks this year starting, I believe, than in any year since, when, when is it, since the 90s? I mean, there's been so many rookie quarterbacks this year. And, and you know, I mean, I know it's backup quarterbacks, and but yeah. for especially if a team wants to develop a first-round quarterback, say the number one pick next year is Caleb Williams, Maybe it's maybe they should sit him for a year, and or or maybe you know just not mm-hmm. let him play the first five games of the year. I mean, got to develop these guys. You got to do a better job at developing quarterbacks, especially top five quarterbacks in the draft.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Writer's block, Zach. What was your writer's block of the week?
2: Writer's block of the week. Uh, anybody who's now criticizing and saying that Thanksgiving needs to be moved around. Like, look, we should have moved Thanksgiving years ago if you're gonna do that. The Lions have gotten so good that there's no reason to move Thanksgiving anymore. You were never gonna take the Cowboys off of Thanksgiving. I do like the idea of having the third game, the primetime game. I think, like I mentioned yesterday, there should be some flex scheduling allowed for that. I don't think this year we need it because 49er Seahawks turned out to be a really good game. But looking down the road at Christmas. Raiders-Chiefs, yeah, I think they'll. I think that's a fine matchup. The Raiders have played a little bit better as of late, and, of course, Kansas City, we know what their situation is. Uh, Eagles-Giants, do we really need to watch that on, on Christmas? Not really, unless Tommy DeVito turns into a great quarterback, which I don't see happening. 49ers-Ravens, that's going to be a great game as well. Christmas right now looks like they have a better lineup than Thanksgiving does, so maybe some flex scheduling down the road, but, you know, the idea of the Lions not being on Thanksgiving anymore—that idea needs to go away because yeah. the Lions are good and they're going to be good for a while. So I have a
1: suggestion with the with the schedule flexing for Christmas. So let me get up the games here, so we could flex Giants Eagles out on Christmas on Christmas Day, and we could put uh, we could put them at four twenty five on Saturday Christmas Sunday Christmas Eve, and we'll we'll put the Cowboys and the Dolphins at, at, at that time slot. On Christmas Day, because I think that's a better game. Yeah. And the Lions and the Vikings, that could be a very interesting game because the Vikings are still in a playoff conversation at that point. If they're still in it, the Lions leading the division right now, they should be flexed out. They should be flexed to 425 and flex the Cardinals and the Bears to 1 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The other, and Sunday night, Christmas Eve night is the game is Patriots, Broncos. Ugh. I'm actually Patriots. Yeah. No need to see that. The Broncos are fine. Def, not the Patriots. Definitely
0: flex that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm actually love having Christmas Eve games. Uh, I know it, yeah. Adam silver. I mean, I wanted to ask you guys, like, what do you think? Interesting question. What do you think? Like, how much do you think Adam silver has a say in like what gets flexed on Christmas? None. No.
2: Adam silver has no say. The NFL no. rules everything. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Whatever the
1: NFL wants, they get. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The NFL's the, you know, the, uh, the Kings of, of ratings, as I say, <laughs> yeah
0: i yeah i'm actually like i said i think it's gonna be really cool to have um games on christmas eve though i'm looking forward to that obviously another big day for people to be off and you know holiday season yeah. so my rudder's block um people being uh r- reports coming out of the eagles being unsatisfied after their win on this past monday night win is a win in the nfl they played an arrowhead they went to arrowhead beat the defending Super Bowl champions. It was in bad conditions. You take it and run. I know the offense. People were complaining about the Eagles' offense. Jalen Hurts didn't have his best game. Got sacked five times. Just you know, not a whole you know passing explosiveness in general from that last game. But uh Chiefs didn't have any you know didn't have much of a passing offense as well. Our offense in general. So yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely a good win for the Eagles. Shouldn't be unsatisfied. Like I said, you did come in. To Arrowhead, take down your your the, you know defending Super Bowl champions who you've lost to uh, you know in February. So definitely a good win. Should not be um, unhappy about that. Justin, do you have a writer's block this week?
1: Yes. Or? The okay. Knicks Raptors lawsuit. It's interesting, but it's yeah. also who cares? Who cares about that? I mean, the you look at the article here. The Knicks and the Raptors, or the Raptors you know a theft of property information or whatever it is Mm -hmm. i mean you know who cares it's last year it sounds like whatever the knicks are asking for 10 million dollars in damages i mean you know james dolan runs that franchise so what what else do we have to say
0: yeah it's a weird story though for sure i mean confidential files whatever that that could be I mean, that could be a lot of things. I don't even know what that means. But, yeah, I guess more will come out from that. Okay, let's finish up with our makers and fakers of the week. Justin, we're going to start with you, as always. What is your maker of My maker the week? of the
1: week is the Philadelphia Eagles going into Kansas City and beating the defending Super Bowl champions in their own place. Arrowhead is a very tough place to play. The crowd there, the, te- the team, obviously, that, ch- that the Chiefs had. Is a very tough place to play, and the Eagles went in there, even down by ten at the half, even down by ten, going into the fourth quarter and winning the game at Kansas City. As I just said at the beginning, the Philadelphia Eagles right now have cemented themselves as the league's best team. Obviously, the record says it at nine and one, and the way they have played says it pretty much says it all. Going into Kansas City. Buffalo coming up next, then the Niners, then the Cowboys. They could could they go 4-0? It's not out of the possibility. It's not out of the possibility that they win these next 3 games. The Bills, with their win last week against the Jets, haven't been have still haven't been playing great this year, kind of been underachieving. The Niners, they I know they're going to be coming in for revenge from last year's NFC title game and the Cowboys at the beginning of the season. Could could be a tough stretch, obviously, as we've been mm-hmm. talking about, but they the Eagles could get out of the stretch unscathed.
0: I'm gonna go with Shea gilgis Alexander for my maker of the week. Uh just under 30 points per game. I think he's seventh in the league in points per game at 29.6, 5.8 assists per game. He leads the league in steals at two and a half per game. And Oklahoma City, uh, tied for for first, actually, in the West right now, heading into Tuesday night when we're recording this. Uh, 10 and four, tied with Minnesota and Denver in the Western Conference. I know it's still early, but Oklahoma City, uh, surprising some people this year, and especially Shea Gilders Alexander being a big reason for that. Playing really, really well. Bad team, does not get enough recognition, but uh, I want to, you know, point him out as my maker of the week because he's been playing some really, really good ball, uh, or Oklahoma city. Zach, what is your maker of the week?
2: Brock Purdy, 21 to 25, mm-hmm. over 300 yards, three touchdowns, perfect passer rating, best game arguably of his career. And I think he's starting to prove that he is one of the biggest reasons why the 49ers are good. I know people call him assistant quarterback and say, Oh, look at all those weapons around him. Anybody could be successful there. Well, Brock Purdy has been very good as in the regular season. You know, he lost three in a row at one point earlier in the season, but outside of that he's been undefeated in regular season play. Look, this guy was drafted as Mr. Irrelevant, so he's already surpassed anybody's expectations for him. He's not a guy that maybe they won't win the Super Bowl because of Brock Purdy, but he ain't going to hold them back from winning the Super Bowl. So he's my maker of the week.
0: Faker of the week? Justin, who was your faker faker of the week? My faker of
2: the
1: week is Marquez Valdez. Scantling, back to the Monday night game. Scantling dropped the pass that was potentially a touchdown, a deep ball thrown by Mahomes. Could have been the game-winning touchdown or not for the Chiefs, but the Chiefs leading the league in 26 drops this year. They have not invested in the wide receiver position. Getting DeAndre Hopkins, they did not get him in the offseason. The Titans only gave him a two-year deal. The Chiefs should have gave him a two-year deal instead of the wide receiving core that they have right now, but... It's very telling that the defending Super Bowl champions are leading the league in drop passes with 26 drops.
0: Yep. My maker of the week. I'm gonna keep it in the NBA. Faker. Oh, Faker. Thank you. My maker. My Faker of the week. I'm gonna keep it in the NBA. I'm gonna go with Grizzlies. Um, I'm yeah. I uh Grizzlies really really bad. 0-6 right now at FedEx Forum. That is the most losses they had just last year their whole entire season they only had six losses at home last season they now have six already this season uh 108.7 points per game scored uh third the worst offense in the league uh they also have the second to worst field goal percentage in the league at 52.9 so they're playing absolutely terrible grizzlies i don't know what's going on with them one of the best teams last year in the west now they're Easily one of the worst teams in the the West. Uh, Third from last currently going into Tuesday night. Um, Zach, finish us off. What is your faker of the week?
2: Brandon Staley, why do you still have a job at this point? You're four and six. You've got a quarterback who's one of the ten best quarterbacks in football, a franchise guy, and you're wasting the prime of his career because you can't get any stops. You drafted Quentin Johnson, and he can't catch a cold barefoot in Alaska in the middle of February, Mm -hmm. as we saw toward the end of that game. And then you have the audacity to question the reporters after the game, saying, I'll coach the defense the way I want to coach the defense. Well, your defense has been terrible the last couple years, and you're supposed to be a defensive-minded coach, which I never understand. If you're a defensive-minded coach and your defense stinks, why are you the head coach? Why does Brandon Staley still have his job? He probably should have lost it after they lost a 27-0 lead against the Jags in the wild-card game last year. He's getting one step closer to unemployment. Matt Canada was fired earlier today. Brandon Staley should have been the guy who was fired earlier today, and he's definitely gone after the season.
0: Yeah, like we said on Tuesday, he should have been fired after they lost to the Jaguars last year in the wild card game. He was up like 27-7 at halftime, and they ended up losing that game, obviously. So I know fans have been clamoring for his job since then. Awesome show, guys. Uh, Thanksgiving coming up, obviously, this weekend. Going to have a best-of show. Already have that rendered down. Already have that ready to go. Ready to fire on Saturday snippets from you know our riffs our intro outros as well as some great moments from interviews that we've had as well so that's coming up on saturday we'll be back after thanksgiving starting on tuesday like we always are and uh breaking down all the newest sports news as always but until then have a great thanksgiving and we will see you on the other side keep on traveling